The Green Ranger, Jason David Frank, who was also the CEO and founder of the Christian MMA clothing line, Jesus Didn't Tap, dies at the age of 49 as reports have come out that he took his own life. And a German Catholic bishop calls Pope Francis a, quote, clever Jesuit for not showing up to a meeting challenging the Catholic Church's teachings on homosexuality, female ordination, and other doctrines. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a number of stories, specifically that are somewhat heartbreaking. One at the top that is quite sad when we get into it, but also another one that just seems to be par for the course for what we've recently been seeing, I guess for a long time now, when it comes to the Catholic Church's bishop in Pope Francis. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about Jason David Frank. For those who grew up in the 1990s, maybe you watched Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as you were young. Uh, More recently, the movie made sure to add in a gay character. But nonetheless, in the 90s, it was a teen special. Really, a lot of young kids doing Mighty Morphin Power Ranger stuff. And sadly enough, uh, I was a huge fan as a kid, and I did have all of the collectibles growing up, and the Green Ranger happened to be my favorite. So when I grew up and then found out that Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger, actually professed to be a believer after I came to Christ, I thought that it sounds pretty awesome that he actually claims to be a believer now and so forth. Some of the people that were involved in those shows uh, actually got into some weird stuff, and there was even some murder involved, and then some uh, adult uh, behavior that is not so adult. But nonetheless, when we look back at this and see that, it sounds like a great thing. In fact, he started a clothing line in uh, something that is very controversial, and that would be mixed martial arts, and different people have different views regarding that. But nonetheless, he started a clothing line titled Jesus Didn't Tap in regards to tapping out to submission, but that he actually went to the cross and fulfilled exactly what he said he would fulfill at the cross. And when before he even went to the cross, he said, let this cup pass from me if there is any other way to be saved. But the cup did not pass from him. And he took upon himself the wrath that each one and every single person that's ever existed deserved for the sins that we have committed. But nonetheless, Jason David Frank, he did start this clothing line and I guess we'll talk about Jesus here and there. We came up with Jesus didn't tap. That means that he didn't quit, he didn't give up, tap out. He could have tapped, snap anytime. Like he could have just called thousands of angels if he wanted to. Tap out is an expression of I can give mentally and physically. I give up, I give up, I give up. He never did that. But over the last few years, there has been some troubling things. And most recently, the reports that came out seem to be quite sad. And this is, I'm just going to read right from the article. Jason David Frank, the martial artist and actor behind the role of Tommy Oliver in the 90s hit show Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was found dead on Saturday at the age of 49. The entire Power Rangers fandom is reeling over the death of star Jason David Frank, and we've learned about the sequence of events 
in the hours leading up to his suicide. Law enforcement sources tell TMZ Jason and his wife Tammy checked into a Texas hotel Friday. We're told the two, who are in the middle of a divorce, got separate rooms, but at some point, the estranged couple got into an argument in Tammy's room. We're told that staffers were called to calm things down, and peace was restored. Our law enforcement sources say at some point, either late Friday night or early Saturday morning, the two caught into an argument and Jason locked Tammy out of his room. Our sources say Tammy was apparently concerned for her safety and called the cops around 5 a.m. Saturday morning. When officers couldn't make contact with Jason, were told hotel management let them in, and they discovered the actor hanged himself in the bathroom. Now, this is beyond heartbreaking to read, or if you're listening on podcast or on video, to hear. And it really is a heartbreaking thing. Whenever divorce takes place, it's already an absolute heartbreaking thing because it's impossible for some sort of sin by one or more parties to have taken place. But you obviously see some of the effect that can happen and the anxiety and the depression and all of the things that can follow these sort of things. And it is heartbreaking to see whether or not we find out he did, in fact, did hang himself, as mentioned in the article there. Regardless, a life has been lost. And when life is lost, especially in this fashion, you have a couple that is trying to divorce. Who knows why they have a hotel room together and or apart from each other. But nonetheless, when we look at this, it is a sad thing, especially for someone who had claimed to be a believer to go to these ends. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what you are facing, whatever that may be, no matter what the pressures are regarding whatever outside pressure is trying to come in and attack you or something that you have even caused yourself, something that your sin may be. And I don't know anything about this. I'm not going to try to, you know, psychoanalyze every single thing that's been said here. But just as with Jesus in Luke chapter 13, when he is brought forth with a couple of things that were taking place in his day, Pilate mixing the blood of sacrifices and, you know, towers following, falling down in Salome and so forth. And one of the things that he does when people bring these things to him is he said, this is a good time to do some internal discussion in terms of, wait a second, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And so I'm not necessarily saying repent, but maybe if somebody is attacking you, if the enemy is attacking you, and I do believe wholeheartedly that the enemy is deeply involved, deeply involved with people that are trying to take their own lives. In fact, I think of Saul, King Saul, uh, the first king of Israel. When we see him take his own life, it is not long after he went and consulted a medium, the witch of Endor. When I look at Judas Iscariot, it says that Satan had already entered him. And then eventually, as you know, he did hang himself and then his guts would be spilled out over the field of blood. And so when we see this, we see the demoniac in the tombs ripping his flesh apart and whatever it may be. We see the enemy. I do believe he hates the fact that we are made in the image of God. And I do believe that the enemy over and over again would love for people to be the fool that dies before his time mentioned in Ecclesiastes 7.17. And when we see this, we need to recognize that it is the enemy attempting this. He is here just as the false teachers are to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And so many of false teachers and so many of evil workers have promised people freedom through getting out this way, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. And we want to make sure that we never fall down this pathway, that we would never allow those outside circumstances to take us to a place where we become murderers uh, in terms of even killing ourselves and, and so forth, that this would never take place. And we also need to be, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be looking out for our fellow friends, uh, whether they profess faith or not. We need to be looking out for them. I know for me personally, reaching out to those who are most likely to commit such an act, whether they claim belief or not, doing everything we can to stop that from taking place and showing them the love of Jesus Christ and for those who are brothers in Christ, that the enemy attacks them in this way to try to convince them to do such a heinous act, man, we need to be there for them. And we need to bring them up and build them up. And also, we cannot, we simply cannot acquiesce to the culture, acquiesce to some teachers, and not warn of the dangers of hellfire. We cannot sit here and not warn people that if you commit this act, I'm not saying I know every single thing. I'm not the judge. I am not the judge. That is 100% Jesus's job. Ultimately, when it comes to the condemnation that happens, uh, whether we are justified or not, that comes down to Jesus Christ and him alone. But we as believers cannot offer up people the promise of eternal life. We cannot offer up people the assurance of eternal life for those who take their life. I'm not saying that there aren't those who are with Jesus. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I will not be the one that gives you some assurance that I simply cannot get from the scriptures in terms of somebody whose heart would become murderous in this way. The Bible says no murderer has eternal life abiding on them. And that is in 1 John chapter 3. That just has to do with specifically hating someone else. The Bible says, do not be deceived that murderers, uh, or actually it says that murderers will end up in the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. So I don't want to give false senses of security to people who do this. But I also don't want to say I am the last judge and I'm the one who can decree whether or not somebody is saved. I just do not want to be the person standing before God saying, yes, I told everyone they were just fine and then they went off and did this very thing. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can warn, but we can love, we can build up. We need to be brothers and sisters in Christ that do bring about edification in someone who is low, whether it is divorce, whether there is some sort of sin that they've committed that is wicked before God, we still need to recognize that if they come to Christ, that it is paid in full, that when, when it comes to our sin, that when we are justified and in Jesus Christ, our sin is taken as far as the east is from the west. And that is the promise of the word of God to us for those who are in Christ Jesus. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor rulers. Nobody, nobody can come against you if you are in Christ Jesus and take your soul away. We need to be able to trust in Christ alone and we need not fall for the devil's schemes. We need to make sure we are in Christ and we cling to him and cling to him alone. So I'll say that. And it was heartbreaking to read. And, and I, whenever I see these things, especially from professing believers who end up 
taking their own life or even just going, not just, but even going through a divorce or something along these lines, of course, Satan will be the first one that attacks the family. Not only did Satanist Celester Crowley write the poem, The Family, Public Enemy Number One, but the family has always been at the crosshairs of Satan. And so breaking up that family, especially when Jesus declared that when it comes in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus makes it very clear that we are to be cleaved together. A, a man shall leave his father's house and should be cleaved together. It should be one man and one woman. And we are supposed to be a picture. As a married couple, we are supposed to be a picture that people look at, that people look at in terms of what their relationship should be with Christ, that we are now betrothed to one Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and that we wait to be with our bridegroom, and that we are the bride of Christ awaiting our bridegroom. And we, as the blood-bought believers in Jesus Christ, need to be an example to the outside world about a marriage that, guess what, not only has one and two strands, but a third strand brought together by the Holy Spirit that is dedicated to the Word of God and serving their King Jesus. And that's what we need to be so that we are that representation, so that we are able to give an answer for the defense. We're able to give a defense for the hope that is within us, that apologia, the apologetic, like, why do you believe this? Why do you have such a hope? I want married couples in the church to start having those marriages that people in the outside world can look at and say, why do they love them? Why do they love each other so much? Why do they love their children so much? What makes them different than the outside world? And we can express to them it's because the Holy Spirit is involved. It's because Jesus has bought and paid for our sins. And now because of that, we can love one another with the love that we've been given by Jesus Christ and G- Jesus Christ alone. So I wanted to bring that up before we get into a little more newsy type stuff. And this comes out of Vatican City. And I'm going to read straight from the article here because it's it's very interesting what's going on. Quote, German bishops departed the Vatican with mixed feelings of, quote, relief and concern after renewing their loyalty to Rome over the weekend, but leaving questions about sexuality, the role of women, and how to reform power structures in the church still unanswered. Speaking at a news conference Saturday, the president of the German Bishops' Conference, Bishop George Batzing, said that despite a ban from the Vatican, he plans to personally continue blessing same-sex couples. Quote, for me, as a bishop, these blessings for people who ask God's blessing for their committed relationship, I would not take that away from them, Batzing said. 62 German bishops came to Rome last week for the traditional ad lamina visits with members of the Vatican departments and offices that make up the Roman Curia. The bishops also had a private audience with Pope Francis at the Vatican and an extraordinary meeting with all the Vatican department heads. In his speech to the Vatican Curia, Batzig said he was astonished that some within the Vatican departments failed to recognize the need for renewal in the church's practice and teachings. He pointed to clericalism, understood as, quote, the use of power and the exploitation of dependence of the faithful as the main culprit for the sexual abuse crisis, and called the question of the role of women in the church, quote, the decisive question for this future. Notably absent from the meeting was Pope Francis, a move Batsing described as characteristic of a, quote, clever Jesuit who left the prelates to argue like brothers. The bishop said 
He was encouraged when he met with the Pope the day before. As goes much of Pope Francis's, I guess, lead as the papal authority in Rome, which seems to just have him all over the place in terms of it's really hard to know exactly what this guy believes. While many of you might remember, he was on the front cover of the biggest national homosexual magazine right when he was put into office there. And really, a lot of people wonder, what does Pope Francis actually believe? And I mean, he is just one of many popes that are all over the map in terms of the history of the papacy and just one more reason why I think it is fraudulent, not to mention that it's not found in Scripture. There's no mention in in Ephesians chapter 4, which is specifically dealing with the fact that we are not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There just happens to be the most important role in all of the church, just not mentioned there in Ephesians chapter 4, written by the Apostle Paul, by ultimately the Holy Spirit, but he just so happened to forget to write anything about it in all of the New Covenant documentation, by the way, except for some anachronistic reading of it by the church councils and so forth of Matthew chapter 16, relating that to Isaiah 22 in a misunderstanding of typology. But nonetheless, we look at these things and see that this is the way things seem to go the acquiescing of the culture into what's going on in man-ruled religions. This is the same thing that happened in Mormonism, and they believe the same thing, that they have a succession that brings them back ultimately to the early church. And in doing so, guess what? The Civil Rights Acts pass, and guess what? Now, all of a sudden, black people are allowed to be in the priesthood when they weren't before that. Because that's what happens when men decide these things. That's what happens when your ultimate authority doesn't come from Scripture, but rather comes with the ever-flowing, ever-changing moves of the majority. And it's sad, because ultimately we need to take all of the things that have happened in church history and look at them through the lenses of Scripture, not through how can I make the Scriptures and church tradition ultimately say exactly what I want it to say so that we can look at it now and see, oh, this is okay to happen now. We can now have women being ordained as priests, or we can now start blessing same-sex couples. If you just had, if you just had the Word of God that makes it very clear that Jesus Christ made this very clear in his ministry that this is not allowed— that anyone practicing this doesn't matter if they stayed together, two men, from the day they got together and never cheated on each other, guess what? God doesn't approve of it. He doesn't approve of pedophilia. He doesn't approve of homosexuality. He doesn't approve of bestiality. And you could put lipstick on this demonic pig, and it's not going to get you anywhere. Ultimately, you need chapter and verse. But I just wonder— What's going to happen when it comes to this pope? Not that he would be the first pope that gets anathematized. If somebody later came more conservative and said, no, we need to get away from this. Church history has never taught us this, let alone the Bible. And that who knows if that's going to happen. Like I said, he wouldn't be the first anathematized pope. But nonetheless, when we look at this, we see 
when man's hands get into things, it gets really dirty. And that's the truth when it comes to esteeming somebody in some made-up office above what the Word of God has clearly taught. And this is the danger that takes place. But I do not want to leave you guys on just bad stories. I don't want to leave the, the 511 News on the day after Thanksgiving on simply bad stories. Because there are some great things still happening in the world, and the fact is that Jesus Christ is still working, and he will continue his work. He will be with us always, even until the end of the age. Jesus Christ will always be with us. And so I like to see that promise, and I like to see the reality of that when we're sharing the gospel and we're going forth and preaching the gospel to every creature. And when it comes to this next year, I just want to encourage you guys, as we just finished up Thanksgiving, I know uh, 2022 is going to be ending uh, fairly soon here. I want you to think about ways that you could be more fruitful for God's kingdom, how you could be sharing the gospel more, how you could be loving your family more, how you could be loving your neighbor more, and so forth, and different ways that you might be able to get that gospel message out. And I want to leave you guys today with uh, something I saw that, honestly, it really did uh, just bless my heart. And this comes from the Fiji rugby team. And I want you to listen to this as we finish up the show here. And I want you to listen listen to this, but this is actually the song that they are singing. Because unless you're from there, you probably won't know the exact language. But I'm going to read the lyrics so that you know what is being said when you hear these men who are about to play rugby, which can be a brutal sport. And I'd love for you guys to know what they're singing as they acapella this. And these are the lyrics to a song called, This Is My Prayer. Lord, this is my prayer, my prayer. I need this prayer to sing for you and to praise your holy name. Oh, Lord, my God, I need your help in time of my need. I will always sing to your name that you will meet the desires of my heart. I will sing and cry to you, Lord. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.